Welcome back to another episode of Behind the Media. I'm your host, Juliana Martins. I'm willing to bet you have heard of the phrase, New Year, New Me. Each January, there's a tendency to use the new year as an opportunity to rebrand. People set goals, resolutions, and their ambitions for the year. Whether they follow through on them or not, that's a different story. But one of the most common New Year's resolutions is to get in shape. Especially after the holiday season, many of us want to shed a couple of the pounds we might have put on. 2019 study from the Global Health and Fitness Association, IHRSA, found that 12% of all new gym memberships joined in January. As we are kicking off 2022, I wanted to talk to somebody in the health and fitness industry about this annual rebranding of New Year, New Me. Today, I'm excited to introduce you to professional fitness model, NASM certified trainer, and founder of Simple Approach, Sean Alexander. Sean has years of experience as a health and fitness professional and has an intense but inspired approach to helping others achieve their goals. So let's get into it. Here's my conversation with Sean Alexander. Hello, hello, everybody. I am so excited today to have professional fitness model and NASM certified trainer Sean Alexander on the podcast today. Hello, Sean. Hey, Jules. How are you doing? I am doing great. I'm actually so excited to talk with you today. Obviously, as we kick off the new year, their health and wellness, there's just such a huge emphasis on it. And everybody's kind of rebooting their routine, setting their 2022 goals. And I think you are the perfect person to kind of Talk us through this whole New Year health kick. New Year, new me. Okay, so to kick things off, let's start with how you got into fitness and coaching. I got into fitness because I graduated high school. I was always a little bit more athletic than academic. And I was a competitive gymnast, but I was never going to go to the Olympics or even get a college scholarship to continue with that. And so I stepped into the gym and just kind of fell in love with it. It taught me so much discipline and work ethic. And I love the instant gratification of results. You know, with my own physical body, you go in, get pumped up, you see a change in the mirror in that moment. And I just love that instantaneous feedback. And so that was when I was 18 years old. And so you said, well, yeah. So basically, I got into working out whenever I was 18. And that was nine years ago. And I've just kept it up ever since. Okay. And how did you, you said that you were athletic before this. So what kind of stuff were you doing? Well, I was born and raised in West Texas. And contrary to the norm, I've never played one down of football, never one inning of baseball, despite being cornbread fed, as they might say. And so I was a tennis player, a gymnast and a competitive cheerleader. And all three of those just kind of funneled me into the weight room and I feel like I've got a very diverse background of sports that helped me play into my my career in athletics now. Was there a specific person that inspired you to get into fitness and training? I would say three got me really into it. First and foremost, I have to give some credit to my good buddy, Brett. We were in the same college algebra class my senior year of high school and for no reason. We'd never really discussed having an interest in the gym. I'd never had a formal introduction to the weight room. And he just gave me a call one night in you know, 7 p.m. right after dinner time. And he said, hey, I'm at the gym and I'm about to bench press 200 pounds. And to me, it was unbelievable. You know, I was like, no way, Brett, you can't do that. And so because we have nothing better to do in West Texas, I dropped everything I was doing and left my family at the dinner table to go 
be witness to Brett bench pressing 200 pounds. And I'll never forget, he could press it twice. And then I got into the bar for the first time ever and I pressed it once. And it just, the competitive nature, you know, our, our competitive nature was just instantly ignited right there. So I think from that day on, we did not miss a single workout for seven months. It was every single day, instant addiction. And so I got to give credit to Brett. And then I had two coaches that really kind of gave me a formal introduction and a formal education. And that would be my buddy, Sam and my good buddy, Zach Morrow. And actually I had breakfast with Zach this morning and I'm hanging out with Sam tomorrow. So even nine years later, those guys are still some of my closest friends. That's so amazing. And then you also have a background in cheerleading, right? Yes, I do. So I was a competitive gymnast, meaning I did all six events. So floor, vault, pommel horse, rings, high bar, and parallel bars. My specialty was always in tumbling on the floor, though. And at 15 years old, my gymnastics coach, he he did some private lessons for tumbling out at the local cheerleading gym. And so he was just kind of talking to me about it one day. And at 15 years old, I thought, well, beautiful women and my expertise of tumbling on the floor, if I could somehow combine, oh my goodness, I should be a cheerleader. And so I fell into it. I did one season um, whenever I was 16 years old and it was fun, but it wasn't my passion. And then I somehow ended up falling into one year in college at Navarro College. So if you've ever seen that Netflix show, Cheer, I think they actually just came out with a season two. I cheered for Monica on in her 2015-16 season. And so, yes, a little bit of cheerleading in my history as well. So your history also includes building and operating a global training company. So can you tell us about starting that? Yes, I would love to. I graduated with my associates of math and science in 2016 from Navarro College. So that's a 20,000-person city with a 2,000-person student campus. Very, very small. And then I, the moment I finished my last exam, I bought a one-way plane ticket to New Jersey and I started living in New Jersey and New York. And I was just waiting tables, trying to trailblaze my own path. And finally, somebody said, hey, you shouldn't be waiting tables. You have too much value in your brain. You're good at coaching. You're good at explaining and teaching. And you should really be sharing that wealth of knowledge with other people. And I never had really considered personal training an option until my buddy kind of sat me down and said, look, are you going to be a waiter or are you going to share your knowledge with the world? Why don't you go out and get a client? And so I just reached out to my network that I kind of met through these cater waiter events with a tray of tuna tartare in my hand. And all of a sudden I had all of these executives, you know, Fortune 500 CEOs, maybe B or C list actors and, and models and artists kind of reaching out for guidance on how they could live their best and most healthy life and look the way they wanted to and feel the way they wanted to. And so just being in New York in that environment where there's so many people and your network is so big and you're always able to grow and expand that network, it made it really easy to reach out and say, hey, I have a service, I have a skill set, I have a wealth of knowledge. And if you're interested, I would love to share that with you. And I think that fitness is really interesting because it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you do or what industry you're in. Everybody wants to be fit. And it's the one luxury that you can't just buy. You have to put work in. 
to see somebody that's in shape, it says something about their work ethic and their character. And so I was all of a sudden thrust into this position where I had very high net worth, very highly connected individuals reaching out for my insight and my guidance. And I ended up doing that full time in New York City and and really across the world for I did two years full time before I um, moved on to another venture and, and moved my practice online. Like I said at the beginning of this conversation, as we kick off the new year, the health and wellness industry is just really taking off right now. So is marketing, coaching and fitness at this time different than marketing during any other time of the year? I think client receptivity is different this time. Marketing doesn't really change. And especially for me, I'm not in it for the eight week transformation challenge because fitness and health and wellness isn't an eight week venture. Mm -hmm. It's really, I mean, you're 25, I'm 26. This is the next 60 years of our lives that we've got to be able to manage eating healthy enough to stay healthy, staying active enough to be healthy. You know, if your goal is to look a certain type of way, then staying active and eating healthy enough to look the way that you want. And so it's not an eight week venture. This is really longevity is the name of the game. And so while clients are maybe more inclined to have a new year, new me mentality right around the new year, marketing doesn't really change very much because I'm doing the same thing, whether it be August or May or January, I'm teaching you how to eat healthy. I'm teaching you how to exercise appropriately and stay injury free. And and so my, my job does not change very much depending on the season. Your job doesn't, but do you think that there are certain people that are more receptive? Like, do you just change your lingo? Like, for instance, if you are reaching out this month, do you have more of an emphasis on that new year, new me or new year wellness or set your 2022 goals? Yeah, absolutely. My main focus, especially coming into the new year, not my my main focus coming into the new year doesn't change the action steps that you know we're taking eating healthy learning to exercise stay injury free work on your mobility really it shifts to coaching clients on how to set appropriate goals for oneself because goals have got to be specific and so for example i had a client that just reached out to me recently and her goals were so ambiguous and vague it was very tough to to boil them down to action steps and so for example i've got the list right here A couple of them included things like take more risks, chase my best self, read more books, begin learning a new language, make meaningful friendships. And those are all great things. They all sound really good and they they got good buzzwords in there and they make you feel good. They emote really positive feelings, but none of those are specific enough to be held accountable to. Okay, read more books. Well, you could read two pages of a book or eat healthier. Well, you could have one salad this year, but that does not actually boil down to any legitimate result at the end of that. It was too loose, too ambiguous. And so I think right now, especially around New Year's, when a lot of people are trying to set new goals and New Year's resolutions, New Year, New Me type mentality, I've really got to sit them down and say, okay, I love it. It's it's amazing that you've got the the motivation and the momentum backing your intentions, but let's go ahead and get some specificity assigned to those goals so that we can actually hold ourselves accountable to reaching them. So eat healthier. No, no, no. Let's say I'm going to eat five salads per week for the the year. 
Okay, I want to be more active. No, 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 that's too vague. Let's get a daily step count of over 7,500 steps a day. And those are goals that give you a little bit more to hold on to. And I, again, I'm a simpleton. I like a one calendar year time frame. So that New Year's resolution works really well for me. Not because New Year knew me, but for this year, this is my focus. This is the theme of the year. And so I'm setting goals that will occupy a full calendar year and, and keep me busy and focused to achieve my best self and to be healthier and to be active. But I need specificity. I need a time frame. I need action steps. And I need to be able to hold myself accountable to reaching them. And so I think I coach a lot of people on how to set appropriate goals, especially this time of year. And measurable goals, goals that they can go back yeah. to and actually see like, yes, I absolutely did that. And I have this to show it. Exactly. Like, for example, my goal for 2021 was to run a marathon. It wasn't to run more. It was this year time frame. I will run a marathon 26.2 miles. And that was so specific that once I checked that off my list, I knew I had accomplished it. Whereas run more is like, I could go on one run and it's like, ah, I didn't run any at all last year. So do I get to check it off my list yet? Or like, you know, you don't have a set finish line. And I think that's where a lot of people get discouraged is it just feels like this never ending pursuit. Now give yourself measurable checkpoints so that you can really reach around and pat yourself on the back once you've checked one of them off. I'm laughing because I'm totally that person that like it, I always look for the cop out with my own goals, especially with fitness and training. So I would be the person that's like run more. I would run like around the block and just not run any more the rest of these 364 days because <laughs> I ran more that day. Exactly. That's what I did. Exactly. So I get that. And so you ask, what's the difference between this time of year versus others? Well, that right there. Yeah. To me, or I guess we can get into this, but like marketing to someone like me is going to be way different than marketing to somebody that like genuinely wants to like set fitness goals. Like I want to be healthy. I know I have to be healthy. I know I'm young now, but it's not going to be like that forever. So how do you differentiate marketing to somebody like me who like doesn't actually really have that motivation, but knows it's something I should be doing versus somebody who's like, hell yes, let's get in the gym. Let's do this. I want to do this. And like that really like wants to stick to it. I think the biggest difference is understanding that I'm not everybody's coach. I'm not going to be the perfect coach for every single person. And I don't want to be in the same way that being a publicist and a, and a you know, media relations agent for different companies, you don't want to accept every single client because some don't align with your systems, your belief systems, your work systems, your, your operation. And so I want to work with clients that do have the momentum. Mm -hmm. I tell them, look, you've got to bring the momentum literally and I will bring the direction. I'm not here to be the guy getting on the phone telling you, hey, wake up, set your alarm. Hey, sweetheart, did you go to the gym today? That's not me. And so I understand that it's very different marketing to someone that does have set goals and does have that burning desire to accomplish them. That's who I want to coach as opposed to marketing to someone that is kind of tipsy-turvy, you know, like in and out, kind of playing the hokey pokey. It's like, okay, 
I'll train you. <laughs> yeah, Jules, I see you pointing at yourself right now. It's, you know, I'll coach you once you've made the decision that you're ready to work. I can't bring the motivation to you. I can encourage, I can help, but it's like you can bring a horse to water. You can't make him drink. I'll coach the clients that are already taking the initiative to reach out saying, hey, I've already been in the gym, already seen progress, but I'm looking to make that transition from intermediate to intermediate advanced as opposed to, Mm -hmm. hey, can you please get me off my ass so that I can go from nothing at all to novice? You know, that's a much tougher, that's, that's a much tougher job to instill a desire in a potential client as opposed to accepting clients that already have that burning desire and, mm-hmm. and, and the dedication to, you know, stick through with a plan. I guess that's a good point. Like I'm really good with analogy. So when you brought up that it's like PR, like I don't accept every client that really locked it in for me. It's like, why would you like, I mean, everybody has their own styles, but it makes sense that you would have a certain style and like you don't need to accept people that are going to be a hassle or don't really align with like your professional goals. Certainly. I, I think it comes down to I could accept every single client and I could make more money doing it that way, but I have no desire. They're not worth my bandwidth and my energy. I want clients that are going to be star pupils, Right. You know, it's like if you're in a classroom and your professor really loves a certain student, I'm filling my classroom with only that student. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, this is just, I'm learning a lot about myself listening to you. I mean, you obviously (laughs) know about my fitness patterns, unfortunately, but I was talking to my friend Jonalyn the other day and she's like, wow, you have to take this workout class with me. It's the hardest workout class I've ever taken in my life. And she's like, it, I, you, I, you just go so hard. It's crazy. And the very first thing I asked her, I was like, cool. Like, can you kind of like do your own thing and take it at your own pace? And she's like, I mean, yeah, but like, wouldn't you want to just like go really, really hard and you're only there for 45 minutes. Like, don't you want to make the most of it? And I was like, I mean, I just kind of like want to, you know, like do my vibe there. And so like, she has this outlook where she wants to like maximize her workout. If she's only in that room for 45 minutes, she's going like balls to the wall. Me, I can be in the same room for 45 minutes and like, I like still won't put in a hundred percent of effort. I'm just gonna, just gonna like take it, you know, take it easy, like do my thing. Like, yeah, I'll do it, but I'm not going to be, if it's burpees, I'm not going to be like going like ham out there on these streets. Well, and I think that just comes down to not everyone has the same goals. And so that's where I'm not every single person's coach. You know, I'm not the perfect coach for every single person because my training style and my expertise will help you live a healthy life, stay injury free, be as lean or as aesthetically pleasing as you choose to be without having to track every single calorie, without having to adhere to a very regimented workout program. It's it's flexibility for longevity. And so I understand that's not everybody's goal. You know, other people have different priorities and, and, you know, that's just okay to recognize that. So to answer your question, I think to circle it all the way back, I don't market to clients that I don't want. Yeah. And that's the beauty of having your own business. So what is some advice that you can give to people to actually stick with their 2022 wellness goals and not really have that fizzle out. I mean, I guess that goes back to what we were just talking about. Like it does take that person that 
has the motivation to stick with them. Like you can't really instill drive in somebody. Well, I think that if you do have fitness goals or, or any goals that you want set for yourself, the requirements that I set for myself when goal goal planning and goal setting is it's got to be time specific. It has got to be measurable and I've got to be able to reduce that goal into at least three or four or five bullet points for a, a plan of action that I can follow. And so, for example, like the goals that I've set for myself this year is I want a 365 day streak of 10 minutes of daily meditation or breath work. And that's time specific, one year, 2022. It's measurable because every day I have to check that off my list. And if I don't do it, then I didn't meet the the goal. And the plan of action is, okay, am I doing guided meditation? Am I, it's like, can I set a morning routine up? Is it an evening? If I miss the morning, what am I going to be able to do to find time later on in the day? And so you just got to get time specific, measurable, and reduce it down into a plan of action. And I think that will make your goal setting and goal achieving so much more step by step as Mm -hmm. instead of being so ambiguous and vague and out in the ether, just chasing being my best self. Yeah. You know, oh, I would like to meditate more. It's like, no, reduce it down, get specific, get microscopic with your goal. And then it becomes much more achievable. You know, I'm going to tell you a really dumb thing that my mom used to say. She, she's Canadian and she moved to the U S she immigrated in whenever she was probably 30. And so she doesn't really understand English idioms, but one, so her sayings don't make any sense in English is the point of telling you that she always used to tell us as kids, whenever we were tackling a big task, Hey, how do you eat an elephant? And she would say one bite at a time. I say, mom, I don't think that's a saying, but I like the idea behind it. I like where you're going with it. I don't think I've ever eaten an elephant, but I, I get what you're going at there. Where did she come up with that? Is that some French-Canadian situation that we don't know about? After 8 p.m. or one glass of wine, some of the things that come out of her mouth make no sense at all. But, but like, you know, she means really well, and it's only the, the English idioms. So I just want to say she's very intelligent. <laughs> but, you know, eating elephants one bite at a time. That's, that's the one. I mean, she <laughs> says that, and it's, like, not right. But then you're like, whoa. That makes sense. You if can't I was eat a eating whole an elephant. elephant. <laughs> <laughs> like she's on to something, guys. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Yeah, quick. Somebody email Merriam-Webster or wherever collects all English sayings and idioms. We need that. Add it to the list. Yeah, that's that. I'm going to follow up with them. Circle back after this. <laughs> So during COVID, a lot of coaching has obviously transitioned to online. Do you see the industry staying online or kind of hybrid or how do you see that panning out? Online. Online is the future. I fully believe with all of the gadgets, all of the companies and all of the resources that are available for either online or just digital. So I don't want to limit it to online only because there's platforms and pieces of equipment that are completely digitized. And so it's not that it's online in the way that, you know, online coaching in my circumstances, but there's equipment like Tonal and you can attach this mirror 
with magnetic resistance to the studs in your, like the structural studs in your house. And all of a sudden you can crank up the intensity and do fully weighted resistant workouts just by cranking up a little dial on your phone or Peloton, for example, they're not going anywhere. It doesn't matter if COVID falls by the wayside. Peloton is here to stay, you know, and then you've seen Orange Theory, Barry's Boot Camp, Grit Boxing, everything has gone online for some type of digital service or offering. And so I think that even as people are able to come back into a physical gym setting, I think a lot of people are still going to be opting for the convenience of digital workouts. And so, you know, I think that gyms aren't going anywhere either. People still want the $10 a month Planet Fitness access to heavy dumbbells and, you know, gym equipment. But I also don't think digital is going anywhere. Yeah, just going to keep growing. And to that point, everybody and their mother puts out training programs, like a lot of influencers out there. So what differentiates something and how do you sift through like what's actually good and what's not? I think sifting through the bullshit is tougher than you might like to believe it is. And not everyone on the internet is qualified. Not everyone on the internet is giving credible advice. And so you've got to do a little bit of research or search for the people that have client testimonials and reviews that you, they, they need some social proof, I think is one of the biggest methods for determining whether something is legitimate or not. It's very tough to believe that somebody that just tossed a training program or a PDF together and launches it online for 10 bucks or 50 bucks or a hundred is legitimate until I've seen reviews. I mean, it's the same thing as buying something on Amazon, but reviews and testimonials and social proof are the name of the game. And so whether or not that person is the most scientific in their approach is not always the most important to me. Whenever I'm conversating with clients, I, I'm rarely getting into technical jargon, talking about the you know, magnesium effects of the sodium phosphate bilipid. It's like none of, none of the technical <laughs> jargon. Yeah. It, look, none of that really matters for the layman just trying to have a very simple list of action steps to follow along. And so I think that even if someone has a program online, and I could think of 10 trainers off the top of my head, mm -hmm. even if it's not the most scientific approach, if it works for you, you stay injury-free, what else do you need? If it works for you and you stay injury-free and you can find any amount of enjoyment or flexibility with your life. So if you're seeing results, meaning it works for you, it fits into your lifestyle, you enjoy it and you're not feeling like it's just miserable every step of the process, then stick with it. And so I think that looking for reviews and, and conversating, you should be able to ask questions with your coach. Not, not any one person is so high and mighty that you shouldn't be able to directly reach out to a person and, and have your questions answered. And if you can't, then maybe you should move on to one of the other people and their mothers and their dogs that has an online fitness program and, and reach out and see if there may be a better fit. So do you think that they – are you saying they don't necessarily have to be like NASM certified, A-C-E-I-S-S-A? Is that all? I-S-S-A, NASM, and ACE are my three. Oh my gosh. I'm so, fitness. I knew all of that. <laughs> you are fitness. Good, good. I think that having personal training certifications lends credibility to having actually put any time and effort into mastering some knowledge in the industry. 
But I will say those are not telltale signs that someone is immediately good. I think that by not having them, any person who is intelligent enough in regard to fitness might feel like they should go get a credential, a credential, so that it's like, yeah, I have some backing to my name. But on the other hand, I think someone that has five certifications doesn't really mean anything because that does not showcase their knowledge for application in the real world. And so I think it's good to have it, you know, as an intelligent fitness professional. I don't think it's necessary. It's not where I learned the the breadth of my knowledge was from those courses. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, just by having that does not necessarily peg a person as a qualified trainer in my experience or in my opinion. Okay. So to expand on that, for instance, we've done a lot of PR work together in the past, positioning you as the fitness expert and professional you are. So I like to think there are many advantages to an expert like you receiving press, i.e. generating sales to a certain call to action, getting new leads, boosting SEO, or simply just adding credibility to your name. So like, for instance, with if somebody like you I wanted your program. I see that you were covered in NBC, Bravo, Birdie, Well and Good, Pop Sugar Fitness. I might go work out with you versus working out with somebody else because I see that you're quoted in all of these articles. So do you how do you think being positioned as an expert source in the media has helped your business or could help other people's business? I will say medium.com added to the list. Thank you for all of the help with my PR. I think that It goes back to what I was just talking about with social proof. People need to see that you walk that walk, that you don't just talk about it, but that you actually live it. And so I think that having credentials that showcase, okay, no, I've gone through and walked that walk. Not that I'm a gym guy and I'm just fit. If you don't have any credentials, it's tough to say, oh, does he really know what he's doing? Or does it simply come down to, you know, supreme genetics? And then on the other hand, having all of these certifications and not being able to walk that walk and live a healthy lifestyle. It's like, if it's like, if you see a respiratory therapist smoking cigarettes outside, it's just a conflict of interest. It doesn't make any <laughs> not sense. Good. <laughs> it's not, it's not good. You don't want to see an out of shape personal trainer with a cheeseburger gut spilling out from their t-shirt telling you, Hey, do burpees. And then throwing off some jargon about the biomechanics of your, it's like, look, man, I want to know that it works. And It gives confidence to know that, okay, he's taken a class. He's passed a couple exams. He's gotten some social proof by being welcomed in and invited to give commentary on large national publications like Pop Sugar, Well and Good, Birdie.com. And so I think that it really comes down to the same thing as social proof, client testimonials, and publicity just plays right into that, that little trifecta right there. You know, I'm just reaching a larger audience, letting them know, hey, I am credible, I am qualified, and I'm providing free value so that even if you don't want to come work with me, maybe you could just learn something. And so I think that's another huge thing is every time you've ever, you know, given me the opportunity to provide commentary, I really try to provide the commentary that I would have wanted to hear nine years ago before I ever started training. That way I could just pick up one tidbit here and there because it's just, an 80-year game of picking up one tidbit here and there. If you go the next 60 years of your life just picking up one tidbit, it's like, man, okay, you'll be an expert by the time you're done. And so I think that PR has really helped me reach a whole new audience. I think it's helped me convert clients into 
paying customers or convert leads into, you know, acquisitions. And, and so I, I think that PR has been super helpful. I mean, same thing. You see me on social media. It's, it's just one more platform to get my message out there and mm-hmm. spread the gospel that that is my message. You know, you, you can be healthy and you don't have to sacrifice the fun in your life to do it. Yeah. I mean, I think like in a perfect world, you are like the perfect avatar of what to look for in a trainer. Like you have the credentials, you're NASM certified, you have all of these these commentaries out there and these articles, all this PR coverage and you have a company. And so that's somebody that I would certainly look for if I was trying to just sift through the BS. I like to think so too. <laughs> Gotta be confident. Uh, well, thank you. That's a, that's a high praise. It's a nice compliment. So, I mean, we, we've just been talking about all the press you've gotten. You've also just had some just crazy and exciting opportunities growing up in New York and training in New York. And like you said, I'm rubbing shoulders with the people you have. And so what are some of like the craziest or coolest things that you've gotten to do as a well-known and respected trainer and fitness model? I think some of the most fun things I've gotten to do have been traveling with my clients to LA or Miami or even London and being able to train people in different locations and really showing them how to manage their entire lifestyle with living out of airports or hotels or traveling where healthy food and a meal prep might not be available, but you got to be able to eat clean on the go. And so, you know, if you're at a fast food joint, how can you eat something tasty, healthy, that's accessible and going to help propel your goals forward, or at least not, you know, cause you to take a a couple steps back and regress towards your goals. And so I think those are some of my favorite moments is just showcasing. It's really not as complicated as you might believe that it is. You know, the eating six times a day, meal prepping every single meal. If you're going to be a competitive bodybuilder stepping on stage in a thong to really like show 2% body fat, yeah, okay, go live that life. You need to do it. If you're not, if you're trying to be the fittest guy at the pool or just fit enough to impress your wife or your husband or your significant other and just make yourself proud, forget your wife or significant other. If you want to look at yourself naked down to your core in the mirror and just feel good, you can do that without feeling so constrained and limited. And so I love being able to travel with these clients and showcase how easy and simple it really is. And so it's for me to sum it up. I like seeing my clients open the fridge, see the Grand Canyon and have this aha moment where it's like, oh my God, oh my God, I can do it too, you know, or, or Wait, open the better. fridge and seeing the Grand Canyon. Is that another one of your mom's <laughs> analogies? No, that, that one, that one's a meme. <laughs> Sorry. But the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. <sighs> I love it. No, or like, for example, one of my favorite things that's ever happened, and this has happened many times over, it's not just one, but one in particular was a guy named Adam, and I just, I'm still really great friends with this guy, he's super, super cool, and he started off with me feeling very insecure, very lacking confidence in the gym in terms of just himself and his physical body, and then six months into working together, he came up to me and said, Sean, my friends are asking me for fitness advice. They're asking me what I eat and what I work out. I, I think I'm the fitness guy in my friend group right now. And it's happened so fast. He couldn't believe it. And we, we, had, we went to lunch and had a whole hour conversation. And he was just so impressed with himself because all of a sudden 
even though he didn't feel like he was the fitness guy, at least in comparison to his fitness coach, you know, he wasn't. But in terms of his friends, all of a sudden, he was the guy that were asking him, what are you doing? You look so good. You look healthier. Oh, my God. Like, Adam, you, you're radiating confidence. How did this happen? And so those moments are the ones that I live for. I just I love that. What about some of the more media opportunities you've had? Like, weren't you on Bravo's Watch What Happens Live? Mm -hmm, I was. I've been on Andy Cohen's Watch What Happens Live a couple times. So I think that comes down to being in shape and being in New York. I was kind of invited along to join into the ranks of some fitness models. And so I you know, got to work with some photographers and videographers and some really cool projects for some bigger fitness companies. <clears throat> and social media is just an incredible tool, just like PR is. It just kind of got my name out there and I was able to get some invites to be on shows like, you know, the Today Show where I was on with Kathy Lee and Hoda and it was, I'm a shirtless guy there on TV holding a puppy, you know, and it's like Andy Cohen invites me to go be the shirtless bartender. And then here I am networking behind the scenes, getting to offer my services to the celebrity guests like 50 Cent and Gerard Butler and Anderson Cooper. And so being in that network, even though it might have been purely for vanity to be shirtless as the shirtless bartender, it puts me in a position where I've got a bigger platform. I've got a slightly louder voice now. Mm -hmm. And it just allows me, like I said earlier, to preach the gospel that is the Sean Alexander simple approach. You know, I'm able to actually connect with more people and just let more people know, hey, you can be the fitness guy in your friend group too. And I promise it's not that tough. As a publicist, something you said really stuck out to me. A lot of people could have those opportunities you had and not really done that follow through and follow up. So like you said, that was awesome that you were invited on all of these shows to be like the shirtless model holding a puppy or being the bartender. But a lot of people would have just stopped right there. Like, that's such a cool opportunity in itself. They could stop there. But you took it to the next level. And you're like, I I'm more than that. I want to actually share my business with these people and make a long-term relationship with these people. And so I think that's a really key part about that's kind of like the little publicists in you, just like cultivating these long-term relationships. And I think like that goes such a long way. And, and that still impacts you today. Like I know some of the people you mentioned above, like would still recognize you if you walked into a coffee shop and saw them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that comes down to a sincere desire to provide value. And like I said earlier, it doesn't matter what industry you're in, or if you're male, female, old, young, gay, straight, black, white, purple, it just doesn't matter. You want to be healthy. You know, your, your fitness, your health is so important and oftentimes so so squandered and so just I, I what am I trying to say you're like we feel almost a sense of entitlement to being healthy and it's like man it's not a deserved thing you know, not everyone gets to have it it's a privilege to be healthy you know I don't want to sit here and take advantage of my health you know without graciousness and gratitude for being able to be physically sound and active. And so I, you know, got a pretty invasive neck surgery. I was in a car wreck and had a discectomy in C5, C6 about a year and a half ago. And for four months, I couldn't pick anything up over 10 pounds. And it just led me to have a whole renewed sense of appreciation for being able to bend over and pick up a suitcase with good form. 
you know, to be able to go out on a run. I didn't even like running, (laughs) but I was so inspired because it was like, man, it's a get to, not a have to. Staying active is so much, it's a pleasure, it's a joy and it's a privilege. And so I think that in terms of marketing with different people and, and wanting to connect with all these people at different events, you know, like being on a TV show or what have you, I think a lot of it comes down to wanting to provide sincere value to every single person I come across, you know, male, female, I, there's some distinct differences genetically, but for the most part, 70%, your arms serve the same function as mine. Your biceps move the exact same way. Your legs squat the exact same way that mine do. And so it's just like, man, whenever you break it down to its simplest form, it really is just such a joy to be able to share ownership of your physical body with every person I come across. And most people are pretty excited to have some education or or pretty excited to be an audience in that room or for that lesson. Completely agree. So what can we see next from you and Simple Approach? So from me and Simple Approach, uh, I'll go ahead and just read off one of my New Year's resolutions for this year. I will be creating a minimum of 10 educational pieces of content per month. Because again, I have this wealth of knowledge and I feel like I've been slow to get on the social media bandwagon in terms of educational content. I think a lot of my social media following grew because I was a attractive fitness model. You know, I'll just like call a spade a spade. Posting underwear photos on the internet gets you a hell of a lot of followers. And it just feels so vain and so surface level and shallow that I don't feel like I'm feeding my soul from that. And I'm certainly not pouring any of my knowledge into my audience's brain. And so I'm really excited to be able to create more content. I'll take on a handful of more, a handful more clients, but I'm going to school this year. I've got an exercise sports science major with a focus in business. And so I'm just really excited to be able to continue sharing knowledge with my social media. I've got a really nice camera just recently. And so I think I'll be able to take my content creation up to the next level and continue to educate the clients that I do take on. It's amazing. Well, we're excited to get some more education from Sean Alexander out there. And we're going to have to get some more articles with you now that you are doing Simple Approach. Yeah, absolutely. So where can our listeners find you? On social media, on Instagram, anyhow, my handle is Sean Alexander with two R's on the end, S-E-A-N Alexander. And my website is simpleapproach.us. So check me out there and yeah, let's get in contact. Thanks so much for coming on today. And I hope a lot of people could be inspired from this chat. And when I say a lot of people, I'm including myself in that. So we'll see how this, these resolutions go. Hey, before we hop off the call, can I challenge you to do something? Ugh, sure. Let's do it. Five push-ups. Right now? Right now. Take the headset off. Five push-ups. Let's see it. I can't do it right now. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to do it right now. I'll do it with you. Let's go. Five push-ups. Okay, fine. I'll do it right now. What? Let me just, okay, I'm taking it off. I'm taking it off. I'm putting my camera down so he can actually see I'm not copping out. Headset no cop off. Outs. Here we go. One. Five. Two. 
four, let's go. Three. Three. Four. Two, last one. Five. Look at that, look at that. Wow, I'm a holy woman, that was measurable. <laughs> That was measurable. Let's that was go. measurable. Round of applause. Thank you. Applause. You do know a thing or two about motivation. <laughs> well, thank you. Hey, if you're you listening so in on the podcast, much. drop down and give me five. You get to do it too. Guys, I'm sorry. I didn't know this was going to be a workout. I this won't happen again. <laughs> so funny. Well, thank you so much for having me on today. This was really fun, Jules. Behind the Media is a Red Rock Music podcast and is powered by ACAST. I'm your host, Juliana Martins. Our producer is Emma Martins. Our executive producer is Red Yoakum. For more, follow us on Instagram at Behind the Media Podcast. New episodes weekly available wherever you listen to podcasts. Come back next week for another look Behind the Media.